You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Making mistakes is a normal part of any project worth doing. And there's no doubt that you'll make many mistakes as a yoga teacher, as a business owner, and as a human being. As much as we might wish, there isn't any way around the messy bits. The good news is that as painful as some mistakes can feel in the moment, there's a lot of them that we can look back on with gratitude. Some mistakes teach us essential lessons or spark ingenuity that changes the trajectory of our lives. So while most of us would probably avoid mistakes if we could, we do usually make peace with the vast majority of life's goof-ups. That said, there are some mistakes that aren't worth the heartache. These are the mistakes that cause us to lose hope and give up on our dreams. My dream for this podcast is that it supports independent yoga teachers and small studios to make a difference in the world through teaching yoga in a way that's sustainable and nourishing. In my work with yoga teachers who are starting new businesses, I've noticed there are a few mistakes that tend to stop budding business owners in their tracks. These are the mistakes I do want you to avoid, if at all possible, because the risks are just too high. So with that said, let's jump right into the three mistakes I really want you to avoid when starting a brand new business as a yoga teacher. Mistake number one is trying to wing it without a plan. There are so many things in life that turn out just fine without a plan, maybe even better. Starting a new business is not one of them. You can definitely find stories of business owners who forged ahead without a plan and ended up with a massively successful business. But those stories are compelling precisely because they're so rare. What you don't hear about are the countless stories of business owners who gave up because they simply didn't understand all the pieces necessary to make a business sustainable. The biggest barrier to creating a plan is you don't know what you don't know. So while any plan is definitely better than no plan, you're likely going to benefit from working with somebody who understands your industry and aligns with your ethics to create a plan that's personalized for you, but also takes into account the bigger context of business and where you are and your goals. I know that when you're first starting out, it feels really scary to invest money in a business that isn't yet making a profit. And the harsh truth is that it takes an average of three years for most new businesses to turn a profit. And those are the ones who haven't closed within those three years, right? Those are the businesses who actually end up succeeding. It takes an average of three years to see profit in a business. So that means that there's lots of businesses that take longer than that too. And by the way, that money that you're taking home each month to pay your living expenses, that's not profit. That's an expense just as just the same as taking an online course or hiring a VA. So as a new business owner, you need to evaluate expenses and make sure that some of them are leading to growth 
Otherwise, your revenue is going to stagnate. And if it's not currently at the place that feels sustainable, stagnation equals burnout. What I'm trying to say is that if you take all the money that your business earns every month out of your business account, I hope you have separate accounts for business and personal. If not, that's another conversation. But if you take all that money out every month and you put it into your personal account, then you are holding your business back from growing. You have to do some investing. And I recognize that that investing is scary, but it is a part that it is a part of being a business owner. It is part of what you sign up for when you decide to own and run your own business. So whether you work with a coach, enroll in a course, or hire a consultant, you will go further faster with a plan. And as far as price goes, courses are going to cost the least and hiring a consultant will probably cost the most. I found with, in my work with yoga teachers that they tend to get more out of their investment with a coach, which is kind of the middle tier of investment. If they've already learned the basics, either in a course, or if the coach uses a course in combination with coaching. Many of us are so far removed, many of us yoga teachers are so far removed from the skill set of business that learning it one-to-one gets expensive very quickly. We're not far enough along yet. And since you likely aren't going to work with a coach for multiple hours per week, working with a business coach before you're ready can be a bit frustratingly slow. So you want to make sure you're ready before you hire a coach. And in my opinion, the best way to do that is to take one or more online courses. Usually the startup or planning phase of a business will take three to six months. And that might sound like a lot because we're talking about a time investment here of really wrapping your brain around what your business is going to offer, who it's for, and what strategies you're going to use. But in the scheme of things, when you look back, let's say 10 years later, you will be so glad that you took your time to actually plan. Here's what the planning phase looked like four years ago in my business when I really started to take it seriously. I spent two months taking a course, then three months doing market research. I started the podcast about two months into the market research And I did start the market research while I was still taking the course. So with all of that overlap, I really started to see results in my business about two months after that, which was about six months total for the planning phase. I definitely believe that some people can do it faster, especially if you don't have other obligations. For me, my other obligation at that time was parenting a toddler. So pretty, pretty big obligation, but it could take longer too, for sure. I had the benefit of 15 years of experience in my field before I took on this project of really treating it like a business. If you're still developing your teaching skills, that takes time too. So if you're a newer teacher, the planning phase is going to take longer. You can still teach, you can still bring in income, but it might not be as sustainable as it will be over the long term. Since I invested that six months in planning, my business has doubled each year since then. So three years in a row, it's doubled. 
And I definitely attribute that to the work that I did over those six months. And that's after being stagnant for literally 10 years. My income was quite (laughs) consistently low for 10 years until I made that investment and learned about how to think differently and how to make better choices in my business. Okay, so that is mistake number one not investing time, not investing money in the planning phase, and really just trying to jump right in and figure things out as you go. Now, there's one important caveat to this. I don't want you to use this as an excuse to plan and plan and plan and never take action. Part of that planning phase is taking action. Remember how, for me, the different sections of the planning phase overlapped with each other. So there was always action happening. It wasn't just learning. It wasn't just theory. It was learn, try, refine, try again. Okay, let's move on to mistake number two. Mistake number two is to copy people who are further along than you are without knowing where they started, what their resources are, or what they do behind the scenes. Now that we're exposed to so much information on social media, the age-old comparison trap has gotten a whole lot stickier. We see so many people who are doing what we want to do, and we know so much more about them that it's easy to make the mistake of thinking that we understand their strategy and that we can copy them as a path to our own success. There are two big problems with this strategy. One, the things a business owner does when they're well-established may not be the same things that a new business owner should do. And two, you're only seeing the visible part of the iceberg, so you may be missing the most important keys to their success. One example of this is when you look at more established business owners, you might notice that they seem to be everywhere. They have a podcast, they're on YouTube, they're on Instagram, they have a Facebook group, and who knows what else. When business owners are showing up consistently on multiple platforms, chances are very, very good that they're not doing it alone. They may have one person helping or an entire staff supporting them to create the amount of content that it takes to show up regularly on multiple platforms. Now, a lot of those people started on one platform, used that platform to build visibility and then branched out when they could afford to hire help. Other people actually start with resources from other careers or other sources and are able to invest in help from the beginning. However, even if you can afford to hire help right away, remember that what you really need to invest in first is developing a strategy. If you spend all your money on a splashy brand and someone to create posts for you on social media, you may find you don't have a coherent message behind the glossy content. The other reason that paying too much attention to people that are further along than you is a problem is that it gives you a skewed perspective about your own growth in comparison. If you follow a bunch of people on social media, for example, the algorithm is going to show you primarily content from the most popular accounts. So if every post you see gets a lot more engagement than your posts, that feels disheartening. It feels crappy. You probably aren't going to do the math and figure out that Actually, the percentage of your audience that engages might be larger than some of those other accounts with a ton of followers. 
you also aren't seeing the posts from accounts that are getting less engagement than your posts, which is frankly a lot more than the ones that are super successful. If you're constantly comparing yourself to people who are further along, it's likely to feed imposter syndrome and distract you from the work that will actually make a difference for your business. And that work namely is engaging with your students and your clients. So I recommend that you minimize the number of people you follow who are further along than you on the path that you want to be on. Choose one or two mentors to learn from and keep your eyes on your own page. Focus on the relationships you're building with your students and your potential students and use that relationship and their feedback to inform your work. The third and final mistake to avoid when starting a business is choosing an idea or a concept for your business that doesn't bring you deep joy and fulfillment. Now, I'm probably preaching to the choir because I know you didn't become a yoga teacher for the money. You started teaching because yoga touched your life deeply and you feel passionate about sharing those practices that worked for you with other people. But along the way of turning your teaching into a business, make sure that you hold on to that spark of joy and that spark of passion. Don't choose a niche, for example, just because you're supposed to. And don't choose a niche that sounds good if it doesn't actually light you up. For example, I have known a lot of yoga teachers who decide they wanna teach corporate yoga because it sounds like a way they could teach yoga, follow their passion, and make a decent living. But most of those yoga teachers don't actually have a heart, their heart, in teaching corporate yoga specifically. That's not what they want to be doing with their lives over the long term. So their stamina to stick with their plan tends to fade when things get tough. Now I say this knowing full well that not everything you do in your business is going to light you up. If you're trying out a new medium, like you're on a new social media platform, it's normal to have a learning curve and a period of time where you're uncomfortable. And if your business is growing a lot, you're probably going to be uncomfortable a lot. But it is important to find something you enjoy about what you're doing. You can be uncomfortable and inspired at the same time. And if you find that it's becoming a drudgery, then look at the core, the core idea behind your business and make sure it's really in alignment. And if you find that for a while you are spending a lot of time doing things you don't love, make sure that you check in to see, does that really need to be done? And does it really need to be done by you? And if yes, if the answer is yes, for now, this needs to be done by me, know that it's temporary and make sure, go back to that first mistake, make sure you have a plan that you're following so that you will eventually get to the point where you don't have to do the things that feel like drudgery to you because there are other people that actually enjoy the things you don't enjoy doing. When I first started the podcast, I had no idea where it would go or what it would become, but I could tell from the very beginning that I absolutely love creating these episodes. Over the past three and a half years, there have been moments where I got a bit burnt out and, 
and felt overwhelmed by the constant need to keep creating. When that happens, I know it's a sign to take a step back, to reevaluate and see what I need to do differently to reconnect to the spark and the joy of creation. If it comes to the point in time where I no longer feel inspired to do the podcast, where I don't feel like it brings my life meaning and purpose, I'm going to find something else that feeds me and something else that I love. And now that I have this experience, I know I'm capable of doing that. In business, just like in life, there are ups and downs. There are things you have to do that you don't enjoy. And if you're growing, there'll be periods of profound discomfort. Starting a business isn't linear as much as we would like it to be. It's unpredictable. It requires both flexibility and perseverance. The best thing about being a business owner is that you get to change anything about your business that you want to change anytime. So as you build systems and strategies to support you in your business, make one of them checking in with what you love about your business on a regular basis. I want for there to be more independent yoga teachers out there sharing their gifts, sharing yoga, and getting fairly compensated at the same time. But what I don't want to see is yoga teachers with a passion for yoga forget why they started teaching in the first place. So there you have it. Those are the three mistakes I really want yoga teachers who are launching their own business to avoid. I would love to hear from you. What mistakes have I missed in this list? And which of these mistakes have you made? And how did you turn things around? I guess there's also one bonus mistake I should mention, and that's letting go of your yoga practice when you focus on your business. I mention this because I often feel the pull myself, that there are these things to check off on my list that are going to make me feel like I'm making progress. But I also know that my practice is what makes my work sustainable. And it's one of the things that brings me the most joy in being alive. So even though it doesn't make sense that I sometimes resist, I've seen this pattern in myself and I've seen this pattern in other yoga teachers. Let's support each other to make space and time for movement, meditation, and whatever rituals nourish you, body, mind, heart, soul, the full spectrum of you. Thank you for listening and thank you for caring enough to teach yoga.